The following audio content is a talk from Convergence, a service for young adults at University Presbyterian Church in Seattle, Washington. For more information, please visit our website at upc.org forward slash young adults. Well, we are uh, we're about to wrap up this series on communication that we've been looking at. It's been, uh, I hope you've been having fun. I've been having fun. Um, I've been sitting in this. I mean, I, every time you do something like this, especially on communication, it's one of those things where you just feel like, um, you can never learn this stuff well enough. I mean, you're going to spend your whole life doing it. And I think one of the great uh, encouragements and challenges is, as I hear you know, Dave and Julie uh, talk, I'm writing notes down, and I'm, I'm using this stuff too. And, and even, even as I get into some of this myself and think about what I would come and, and share out of God's Word with you guys, I, it's oftentimes it's convicting for me because I'm thinking, gosh, I, I blew it there, and I blew it there, and I blew it there. Um, and so I'm right in there with you guys. But it's been, it's been fun. I mean, I, we, we've had a chance to use it. I was uh, with Shannon this weekend. We, we got some time out. Uh, the, we dropped our boys off, and so we kind of had sort of a night out. And we were able to use that gift certificate that uh, you guys were gracious enough uh, to give us over Christmas. So thank you. Uh, it allowed us uh, to, to go out and have some fun. We went to McCormick and Schmitz, and, and uh, we got there. It turned out it, uh, that uh, it was all booked up. So we thought, well, we'll just go on, we'll go in the bar. We'll have happy hour. That's okay. Um, but we're sitting there, and, you know, we're talking and just being together and, and, you know, as guys are wanting to do, we're in a bar, right? So there's a number of flat screens um, all around. As guys are wanting to do, especially guys like me who are a little distractible, you know, I start kind of kind of looking up uh, at one of the screens. You know, Shannon immediately grabs it. She's like, she's snapped because she listened to Julie's talk. So, I mean, she just is loaded up with stuff for me. <laughs> she grabs, she's like, hey, you got to look at me. I got to know that you're listening to me. Give, give me eye contact. I was like, sweetheart, sweetheart, Listen. <laughs> I totally hear you, but the best way for me to hear you is if I focus on the TV. <laughs> then I'm able to really pay attention to what you're saying. Oh, she didn't buy it. Anyways, anyways, we, we've been having fun, though. The whole point, though, of this thing is, is that we, communication is so vital to everything that we do. But how can we have fruitful communication? Because some of us know what it's like to, to constantly try to have, get the sense, do you hear me? Can, can you hear me? Is my message getting across? Am I, am I known? Do I actually do I know you? And so how can we push into this sense of fruitful communication? Even I say that, I know that that might be kind of Christian-y language, but it's that, that idea that, that it, it goes, our communication goes somewhere. That, that just as a tree, an apple tree, is meant to bear fruit. We're meant to have fruitful communication that can then bind us together, that can, that can release uh, creativity, that can open up whole new paradigms for us to be able to think. We are meant to have fruitful uh, communication. We started with this verse, Ephesians. Let me... Uh, throw that out there. And let me just say, we're going to finish tonight, and then next week, I've been letting you guys know, uh, next week is, is really up to you. We're just going to have Q&A. I'm going to have Dave, Julie, and I here, and we're just going to have more of a conversation. So you can ask questions then. If, you wanna, if, you don't, if you're one of those people that you don't like to maybe stand up in front of everybody, you can write, write a question down, uh, throw it in the basket in the back. We would love that. So next week, we'll have, it'll, that's, those are always fun times, but we'll do that next week. But as we think about where we've been, we started with this verse, Ephesians 4.29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And we kind of said that that's a verse for us to kind of think about and dwell on. It's a verse that you reread it and you go, great, great, great. Applying it is more difficult, isn't it? 
that truth, there's so much stuff that we know that is, in some ways you can go, it's common sense, I know it, I've heard it before, and yet applying it sometimes feels so difficult. What we've been trying to, to, to live into that is we've kind of, you've gotten a number of different tools, you've gotten, in, you've gotten insight in, um, from a number of different areas on how we can live into that. Well, tonight, as we kind of wrap, as we wrap up, what we're going to do is, I want to, is talk about, well, to what end? I mean, what's the goal? What, what is the goal? Where are we going with this? I, mean, I, I know it can be, seem like a simple question. It can seem like a, maybe a rhetorical question. Like, well, why do we need to ask that? But it's, it's not always that easy, is it? it? See, there's a question. Whoa! You love that. I knew that was going to happen one of these days. I get up and down so much. You were here for it. Okay, is there a nurse? In a, in a, okay, thank you. It's good to know. It's a, it's a question, though, to what end that will guide everything? It's a question that we need to ask in our work relationships, in our, in our relationships, uh, in community, in dating, in family. As we think about how we engage with others and we want to share our faith, it's the kind of question that binds all this stuff. I mean, Dave gave you 15, right? I mean, amazing, 15-point talk. He'll never do that again. We had a little conversation afterwards. Although it was great. I used three or four of the truth uh, tips on him. But but 15, 15 points, and it was brilliant. All that kind of stuff, though, all that stuff. I say that because Dave is one of my closest friends. So... All that stuff, though, it needs to be bound together by this question, to what end? What's the whole goal of this for? All this, all this research is good to know. We need to have insight. But what guides it? It's the thing that pulls us together. To what end? Where are we going with this? For whose sake? For whose name? In other words, who does this build up? Our verse for tonight is going to come out of Colossians. Paul writes... Uh, to his, his friends in the Colossian church. And maybe you've heard this verse too before. Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Again, it sounds easy, and yet sometimes we can lose sight of this so, so quickly. So if you, if you have your Bibles with you, uh, turn to Genesis uh, chapter 4. We're going to look at uh, one of the opening uh, stories from the be- very, very beginning of Scripture. Genesis chapter 4. You've probably heard of some of these uh, uh, characters. That they're in pop culture as well as Christian culture. Cain and Abel. We're going to look at that story. Kind of that, that first uh, family fight um, that has been replicated, unfortunately, many times since. So, Genesis chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. Adam lay with his wife Eve. Now, remember... Kind of creation had happened. God had called it good. Uh, he said it's not good to be alone. So he gave the man and the woman to be together. That at the very beginning, uh, before anything bad had happened, God said it is not good. We are built for community. Adam and Eve fundamentally uh, declare the distrust of God. They, they they take kind of matters into their own hands. They fundamentally say, "I we really don't need you. We don't trust you." power in some ways is more important than the gift the the gifts that you've given us so they're out of the garden Adam lay with his wife Eve and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain she said with the help of the Lord I have brought forth a man later she gave birth to Abel 
Now, already we have a little bit of a, of a sense that maybe something is, is going wrong here. Because commentators would say, really, there's a sense of, yes, God helped me do this, but there's some kind of, there's an assertion in there, that, the same kind of assertion that got them in trouble when they were in the garden. And, and so, with the help of God, really, that's kind of, it's more like, I did this. It's me. I did it. I accomplished this. Now, any woman that gives birth, I will never argue with them on how much they've accomplished, right? I'm not dumb. But there's something that's going on here. There, there's something that, that is not right. And, and commentators, as they look at this name Cain, uh, one of the things that they've noticed is that it probably means, in a lot of biblical names, there's usually often a meaning behind it because it's part of communicating the story that, 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 that the name matters. Well, the name Cain most likely means to acquire, to possess, um, uh, to get. Right off, there's a, sense of, uh, there's a sense of assertion that Cain, who Cain is, and it's kind of a little foretaste, it's a foreshadow that something is not going to go right. Because this guy, he's known, his name, who he is, is I, I am going to acquire, I am going to get, I am going to possess. Well, we go on and we read that, Now Abel kept flocks and Cain worked in the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought forth some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. But Abel brought uh, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering. But on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. What's what's the deal? What's going on? This idea of offering is for a tribute. It is a way to sort of tangibly express that to somebody else, whoever you give it to, that you are superior to me. That I, in a sense, owe this to you. It is, it's that gift that acknowledges. I am not in charge. You are in charge. This is a gift back to you. It didn't really matter what it was. It just, the idea of the gift was what was important. And so that tribute, and so they come before, they come before God, and they, and, but there's somehow, it seems like there's two different gifts. What's the problem? That God seems to not have any regard or any care for what Cain brings as what Abel brings. Well, some people go, okay, well, what's going on here? And commentators have wrestled a little bit, and some of them say, well, it's a lack of faith. And go, yeah, that's a little e- too easy. You know, um, yes, that's true. Is it a lack of faith? No, what, what's going on? What's the context here? Some, some other commentators would go, well, what's really going on is that, that, that Abel brought, um, he brought an animal and there was blood that was shed and that was important and all that kind of stuff. But the idea of this tribute, this gift that acknowledges the superiority of another person or a king or, 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 to, or to, uh, to a god, uh, it, didn't have to, it didn't have to include blood, it didn't have to be animal sacrifice. The problem that is going on here is that it's token. It's really fundamentally meaningless. And it, it's, hard to, it's hard to grasp, but you just have to look in there real close. It, Cain brought some of uh, the fruits of the soil, but Abel brought the fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. In other words, the very firstborn of his flock, the very best of the best, he brings the very best parts, which would be considered the fat. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door and it desires to have you, but you must master it. 
Now Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out into the field. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. And the Lord said to Cain, where is your brother Abel? I don't know, he replied. Am I my brother's keeper? Interesting how mad he gets when he hears that God is uninterested in this, in this, this gift that he brings. It's, it's the same gift. I mean, it looks, it's, it's two people. They're, they're bringing a gift. They're acting as a priest. They're offering up worship. And you go, well, what, what's the deal? It, they're both following sort of the script. They're both crossing the T's, dotting the I's, and yet God is fundamentally uninterested in one of them. One is rejected. One is accepted. The problem is, it's token. There's no love behind it. I mean, have you ever had that? Somebody comes up and they say all the right things to you. They go, man, you're just, you know, you're really, really welcome. Mm. And you know that, that if, yeah, that's nice, it's good etiquette, but you know they don't mean it. You've had this, when you hear people say, well, it's a token comment. It means it was thrown, it was kind of thrown out there. It, it didn't really mean anything. There was no sense of love behind it. See, Abel brought something, he said, here's the very best, you deserve it. There's a sense of gratitude where Cain was like, some of his crop, some, you know, he kind of like grabbed something, it was like, and kind of threw it on the table. And God is supposed to go, well, just because you sort of went through the motions, you think I'm impressed? I could care less. Your heart isn't in it. To Cain is driven not out of gratitude, love, or service, but from this desire to acquire. There's a sense of, I need this. I have to have it. I have to take it. And it's probably why he gets so mad. When God says, yeah, no, that's not really good enough. There's a sense of, well, this is my stuff. I deserve it. Who the heck are you? See, there's no sense of like, this is, I'm going to acknowledge that you are superior. I'm going to acknowledge you. It's like, well, I'm looking to get something out of this and I'm going to get, and I'm going to get really mad if I don't get it. See, his interaction, his worship with God had nothing to do really with God. It had to do with himself. And you can see how mad he gets when he doesn't get what he thinks he deserves. So we don't have to we don't have to kill our, our, our friends, our brothers, or our sisters to be like Cain. It's subtle. And look at Cain; he looks really religious. He looks like he's doing all the right things. You you could look at him and kind of pat him on the back and go, "Man, what an upstanding citizen." And yet his communication falls totally flat. It's fruitless. It goes nowhere. Not because he didn't do the right things. He didn't have the right tips or tricks. He didn't totally understand all the dynamics. That, he understood the dynamics. He knew exactly what, he knew exactly what to do. But it, it came, it was driven. His communication was driven and guided out of his own desire for fame, security, power. Maybe his own sense of neediness. Right? We have, you know what that's like when you come up to someone and you have a, that distinct sense that they, they're kind of talking to you, but it doesn't really matter if it's you or somebody else or, or the wall, right? They don't really care. You, you're just, you're just kind of there. It's like, you know, sometimes you come up and, and you get people who kind of information dump on you. It's like they don't really care about you or having a conversation with you. They're just care, they just want to like kind of puff themselves up. They want to tell you everything that they know. They don't really care if you're interested or not. It's when you have those, those interactions at, at, at work, when someone comes and, and they act like they're trying to engage you, but they really could care less about what you are interested in 
or whether you're on board or whether this actually does any good for you. So they come and, and they kind of act like, hey, this is going to be really great for you and, and we're having a good time. And you're like, that actually does nothing for me. I don't really know what your, your game is on this. This is where sometimes there's a sense where our evangelism goes flat. It's, it can go fruitless because people have a sense that I'm hearing words. You're saying all the right words and that Jesus loves me and, and you're smiling at me. And it was just a little creepy. But, but you're, there's something else that's going on. I don't know if this is about me or if this is about you, if this is about something that, that, that you need from me. I mean, we have that sense, right? Our radars go off. We've been on both sides of this. I mean, we've done it. It's happened, it's happened to us. And so sometimes for some of us, we wonder where, why our communication seems to go flat, why it seems to go nowhere, why it seems to be fruitless. And it might be that we need to sit back and ask the question, really, without having, I don't have to be a murderer, I don't have to have a bunch of evil intent, but what is my goal? What am I trying to do with this? Is this for me? Or is this for the sake of somebody else? I mean, sometimes for us, even in, in dating relationships, there is a sense of, you know, we want to act like we're being really nice, but a lot of times the way we interact with one another really is about preservation for us. It's not about what's best for the other person. I mean, think about that. Either we say more than we really should in a relationship because it's going to get us something in in the moment. And yet the morning after, a lot of us have had heartbreak on this. The morning after you realize actually there was nothing there. What they were saying was not for the sake of the relationship or for the sake of me. It was for the sake of what they wanted in the, the moment. Sometimes for some of us, that there's a sense that you know, we get engaged. And, and this happens in the church all the time. We get engaged kind of in, in sort of prayerful conversations. And, and really, we're not seeking the very best that, that there would be reconciliation, that, that things would work out well. We're just excited because there's a fight and there's somebody to be against. And, there's, and so we want to you know, pray for people, right? But really, it's about the sense that there's something in it for us. There's a sense of status for us. I mean, it's amazing for him to, to come and respond to God, am I my brother's keeper? I mean, it reveals so much. This is about me. What, what do I even care about the other person? If our communication is going to be judged, it's going to be judged according to the standard that Jesus gave and the summation of the law. Again, this is so simple, so well known for many of us, and yet so often not worked. So let's have that. Mark, and we see this throughout Scripture, Mark is one of those. That Jesus says, if you want to sum up all of the law, okay, there's all the things to do. You, know, you can line everything up and make sure that you do it just right. You get your, you, you get your, uh, your sacrifices and, and the way that you live and, and the way that you interact just right. He says, here's the end. Where's it going? The whole goal can be summed up to this. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. And the second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There's no commandment greater than this. There's no commandment 
greater than this. Here's a simple question. When you walk into situations, whether you're at work, what, what's the goal here? What's the end? Am I just trying to make sure that I'm going to put myself in a good position, that I'm going to gain the upper hand? Or am I here to serve? I mean, it's simple, you guys, but think about what, what if you were to go into conversations at work tomorrow, maybe even conversations where there's some conflict and go, all right, my goal is to serve. How can I love this person? How can I glorify God in this situation? Now, it doesn't mean you're not going to get into conflict. It doesn't mean that you're not going to say something hard. It doesn't mean that it's not going to be really, really difficult. But you walk in saying, how do I serve in this situation? First and foremost, my goal is that my communication would demonstrate a love for God and a love for other people. How, the next thing, you, you begin to think about sharing your faith. How can I say... How can I, what I do, make sure that it's not kind of, it doesn't, I don't win an argument. I don't necessarily uh, come out on top. I simply say, I want to love this person. Whether they want to buy into what I'm saying or not, whether they, they take, with, take what I say, which is absolutely true, or not. How is it that I can glorify God in, in this? That, that sometimes some of our evangelism gets undermined because what we try to do is it, we're so concerned about kind of closing the deal that, that we compromise the mission. We make, it, we make it small. Sometimes, I mean, I've been in these situations where we basically, I was trained to, to basically trick people to hearing the gospel. What? How does that work? But we get we get over consumed. How can I love those around me? How can I go into a, a a relational situation and say, look, first and foremost, God, how is it that I can demonstrate a love for you and a love for this person? Well, perhaps probably the most important way we can do this, I would say, is if we go back to Ephesians. We do not let any unwholesome talk come out of our mouths. Boat but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Probably the most important act of love has nothing to do with what we say, but simply how do we enter into the experience of another person and find out what it is that will actually help them. What, how can I understand the needs of the person so that what, what I communicate actually has benefit to them? I mean, so often we don't go this. We go in, we got an argument, and, and a lot of times what happens is our communication falls totally flat because we're answering the, the wrong questions. We have the, the wrong idea of what communication really is about. I mean, Julie, if you were here a few weeks ago, I mean, guys, this is a, a pop quiz. What did Julie say is the most important thing for marriages to survive? Anybody? What's that? The most important thing that... Research has found is that the wife, key, I mean, you could talk about a million different things. The most important thing is that the wife feels heard, right? That the wife feels heard. Now, this goes against everything in most guys, right? We want to solve a problem. You bring up something, we want to jump right in before you're even done talking. We want to jump in. We want to fix the problem. We want to tell you, we want to tell you that what you're saying is not true. We want to put you on what is true. We want to jump in and fix it, fix it, fix it, fix it, fix it, right? It's the worst, and we have to, but if, if, if anything is going to happen, we have to get to a point where we can be able to say, what is it that they need? The most important thing is that the wife feels heard. Amazing. Not that there's truth. Not that, that you are the big shot leader. Not that you have all the answers. 
She simply needs to know that you feel heard, which means that you've got to restrain kind of that instinct. It's a good instinct. It's an instinct that can be really fruitful. It's an instinct that, that, can, that fixes stuff, that, that goes right in, that heads into battle. You've got to restrain that back. You've got to pull that back a little bit and say, the whole end of this is not that, that I'm kind of built up or that, that something else happens or that, that I look like I'm in charge, but that my wife is served. I need to figure out what is it that she needs. And I know at least that she needs to know that she is heard. And this is hard. I mean, I've had to work on this with, with Shannon. And there are times where I just go, I don't really know what you need. What do you want me to do right now? Right? And sometimes she just needs to have a cry. Right? Come on, guys. There's guys in here that just you just need to have a cry. <laughs> Girls, I'm sure there's a few in here too. You know, you say, don't solve it. Don't try to fix it. Just... Oh, I just gotta have a, I just have a cry. And there's just times where I've just learned, all right, you know, it's all right, go for it. You know, I, I feel hurt. I mean, it's just, it, it, it's, it's what it is that she needs to feel hurt. Now, it means that I also need to figure out what is it that she really needs because I'll, I'll tell you this, when, when she says, you know, hey, there's a bunch of garbage on the back porch, what she's not saying is, John, I want you to feel my need for the garbage. I've tried that. I hear you. There's garbage on the back porch. I'm listening. Feed it back to you. No, what she's saying is, take your butt outside and butt throw out the garbage, right? Fix it. Get after it. So we have to figure out what, what is it that, that, uh, that we need. Your community, you know, I think about this community group. Example, I, 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 was, uh, I was in a situation uh, earlier. One of the, kind of the way I like to express sometimes stuff is it, is if I like you, I'm probably going to make fun of you, okay? And it's just, it's a, maybe it's a guy thing, it's me. Thing. I, I mean, I've mocked Kyle since the first day he came here, right? I mean, he's easy to mock, let's be honest. But I love him, and that's, but it's a way that I express that. It, but just because I'm saying, for, for Kyle, there's a sense of regard that, that I like you, and because I like you, I'm going to mock you, I have to think, how is this being heard? I've been in situations where I, you know, I, I realized I, I was kind of making fun. I was, you know, I was kind of shooting my mouth off at some, at some guys. And I, but I had to stop back and go, wait a second. Am I actually serving? I, I know my heart is right. I know what I'm trying to accomplish. But can this person hear it? Are they able to hear it in this particular situation? Can I, maybe I need to pull back for the very sake of going, I need to make sure the whole goal is that I would serve this other person. And if, if my even good-natured uh, attempt isn't serving, I need to, to pull it back. One more example. I was up at Regent, and I, and I was in a small group at Regent. This is, this is the kind of stuff that happens in small groups even. And, and it was for first years and we're all in the mix together and we're all confused and angsty and all this kind of stuff. And anyways, we're getting together. And, and one, of the per, one, one of the people in our group was going through a really, really difficult time. His dad was dying. And his dad was dying of a, of a really brutal disease. In fact, this disease had basically taken his kind of dad out of commission for a lot of years. And finally, it, it, was, it got ugly and it was going to take him at the end of his life. He was expressing it, and he was angry, and he was frustrated, and he was and he was mad at God. And one of the other people in the group kind of looked at that and saw that frustration, that anger, and and that sorrow, and 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 said, "Hey, don't worry about it, dude, or don't worry about it." In Psalms, it says that the blood of the saints are precious to God. 
what? What? Can you imagine how that went down? I mean, this is a big dude who's a hockey player. I mean, he almost killed this guy. What? Is that true? I don't even know if it's... That could be a misquoted verse. But that, that verse, it, it could, it's true? Maybe. Might be totally true. Is it appropriate? No. What, what is the need that this person has? Is it information? No. This guy in our group, he didn't need information. No, maybe some way, somewhere down the line he did. Some, sometimes people do need information and we need to figure out, is that what they need? This guy just needed a place to be able to, to, to vent. There was emotional needs. There, there were social needs. What he didn't need. And this guy wondered why. You know, this guy kind of was scratching his head. Well, uh, you know, it's true. I was just trying to be nice. You totally had no idea of what this person needed. So much of what our, commu- our, our communication falls flat, and it's simply because we don't have the, it's not because we don't have the right formula, but simply because we have failed to miss what is really needed. We haven't come to a situation uh, as an act of love, as an act of service, but, but even with kind of, and this is where it gets really, really tricky. It's not evil intent. It's just an intent that somehow that this is this communication. What I'm what I'm going into, how I'm using these tools, is really not about the person, but it is about me. So let me uh, four questions at the end here. Four questions to think about. How is it that we get into this place where we can figure out how to assess the need? And it's really it's about asking questions and listening. John Wesley said this. He was a famous preacher uh, in the Methodist movement. He says. Have I, before I've spoken to any, learned as far as I could, as far as I could about his temperament, his way of thinking, his past life, his particular hindrances, uh, internal and external? And so consider this. Consider, have I heard all of what is being said? Okay, before I, I, I pop off an answer, before I try to speak into something, have I heard all of what is being said? It's classic when we jump in. Sometimes we, or some of us are so eager to jump in and, and, and uh, answer questions before people are even done. We don't even know what they're asking. How is it being said? What, what's the emotion behind it? What, what is going on? What can, what can we learn about how it is being said? What is not being said? What is distinctly missing that can help us understand where this person is coming from? What is it that they need? What is it that they feel like they can't communicate? That they perhaps need us to to begin to say, I need to understand more. You, you could have an idea, but I need to understand more. I, I don't hear you saying this. This is curious to me. What is really being said? Right? There are those situations where people are saying one thing, but if we can slow down just long enough, if we can put ourselves in a position of saying, how do I love this person? How can I glorify God in this person not how do i get out of this how do i look smart how do i control the situation you understand what is really really being said might be totally different uh, than the words that are coming from a person's mouth lastly uh, why is it being said here's the deal asking these kind of questions they're hard it takes a long time it takes patience it takes putting yourself aside it takes a stance in which we say, this is not about us. But when we can do it, 
Our communication will be fruitful because we will be speaking truth or grace or love into the exact places where people need it. They're not going to sit back and, and go, yeah, that might be true, but you have no idea about me and how that speaks in, in, into my life. And so they'll, they'll blow it off. And when we do that, our communication can be powerful. I mean, the ironic thing, you guys, is that what marketing companies do all the time, which is pay attention and figure out the people that they're trying to communicate to, we often forget in our interactions. How can I take time to understand those around me so that I can speak words of the gospel into their lives in a way that they can hear? How can I pay attention to what is being said so that... This person that I'm interested in, that, I, that, that I'm seeking to, to get to know, they actually can hear my intention and in, in what I'm saying to them. How can I begin to, to, to slow down and think about serving those around me at work so that, so, so that they know that I am for them? Well, let's read Colossians um, together. I encourage you to, to look at Colossians uh, three twelve to seventeen. It's great. It'd be a great passage to meditate on if you don't have something to to kind of meditate on on uh, this week. But read it with me, will you? Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to the Father through Him. I butchered that. Good job, you guys. Think about that. Every interaction, as you walk in, you start your day. Whatever I do, word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. It's how we begin to move our communication from simply uh, us being yelling at one another to it being truly transformational. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that um, thank you that there's grace. For how we um, so often uh, miss this, Lord, I pray that um, Lord, I pray for that we would all have one situation, one contact in which we can think about this week on, on how do we maybe perhaps think about changing our stance to one of service. Lord, I pray that you you teach us to be people who listen. Teach us to be people who lay ourselves aside so that we wouldn't look good, but that you could do something. That the people around us would know first and foremost that, that we are for them. Lord, teach us to be people who have fruitful communication. In your name, amen.